Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Optimal Fitness in Billerica, Mass, Matt Quigley. Thanks for being on with us. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Always good to get a fellow New Englander, even though I abandoned you guys. Um, let's hop into it. In your words, what's Optimal Fitness all about? Um, Optimal Fitness um, is a small boutique in Billerica um, that mainly does semi-private training. Uh, and, you know, makes makes do with the area that I have. It's a small gym, 800 square feet. Yeah, it's definitely uh, logistics and dynamics of a small gym can be unique. And one of the great things I think about the show, we get to talk to people with all different shapes, sizes, and styles. So we'll dive into that. Before we get there, though, give us a little background. You've been training a long time. You've been in other people's clubs, you know, and then... I think maybe a, maybe it was an upside to COVID and, and rent price and things like that, but you were able to get your own spot. So give us the backstory. Um, as in where I started and stuff like that? Yeah, like how long you've been training, what made you want to do it, you know, and then how it transitioned into being your own spot too. So uh, I started training probably 13 years ago. Um, I've always lifted weights uh, and – I had a tough time in college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and when I was about 25, 26, I started kind of, you know, it's the age where you're trying to attract ladies, you want to look good. Um, and so I started studying this stuff and I would talk about it with my friends. And for the first time, um, I found myself getting excited about, you know, what I was talking about you know, that passion. Um, so I decided to pursue it. Um, I graduated from Salem State with a degree in exercise science. Um, it's amazing how easy college is once you start going to class, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, and then I got certified through ACE, um, which was stupidly harder than it should have been. Um, and I started working at the Jewish community center where I live. Um, and that was my first experience with personal training. Um, and I was making nothing. So I was like, you know, how are you supposed to make a living off of this? Um, so eventually phased out of there, um, did something different, put, and then I put my resume on monster and out of the blue, I got a call from Tewksbury sports club. Um, and I started working there and for the first time, it was completely different than the JCC. Um, cause I learned how to do sales, which I loved. Um, and the manager there kind of taught me many things about, you know, how to take it seriously and what people like. And, um, I just learned a lot. And I, I don't, if I didn't work there, I don't think I'd be the trainer I am today. And that was a, 
a relationship and environment that you stayed in for quite a long time, right? That you train clients seven, on seven years, seven years. Right. And, you know, geographically wasn't the best commute for you over and probably over an hour back and forth from where you live to where you were training clients out there. Yeah. Even more because I would go in during morning rush hour and then uh, I would actually leave later than the afternoon rush hour. So that was. Yeah. And if anybody's ever been in any traffic in and around Boston, um, it's terrible. Big dig or no big dig. It's, it's still terrible. So um, one of the things you touched on that, that we didn't get pre podcast um, that I think is super important is when you went to, to Tewksbury sports club, you, you had to learn sales. You had to do your own sales. You were only going to eat what you killed. So was it, on the job training? Was it just figure it out or I'm going to starve? Uh, how did that process work for you? Well, he brought us through a bullshit, but you know, but you don't truly learn until you do. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the key things I learned touching on emotional points, um, you know, people feed off your energy. So you need a lot of energy. Um, and yeah, there's just different tactics to the different people that you try to sell. You're trying to, it was so like a game, it was like a game kind, of, no? Yeah, for sure. So once you realized, okay, the thing that brings this together, I know I got to be able to train people and get them results, and we're going to go into a little bit about more about your your point of view on that. But you know, you got to do that, right? The technical aspect is one part. But the way you earn a living at it is to be able to have conversations with people and basically get to the point of the way that I help you is we need to have a transaction. So once you figured that out, did you feel like you unlocked, all right, now this can be a career? Was that like the, a big epiphany moment for you? Well, <clears throat> there was actually the traffic in the gym where you had access to so many people mm -hmm. that you could make it a career, you know? Got it. So more uh, volume than the JCC. A lot more, yeah. And if you could go out and get it and convince somebody that you were the guy to train them, sky's the limit. Yeah, another thing that they implemented that made a huge difference was um, every new person that they signed up, they pretty much forced to do a consultation when training. And that's where you got to sell you know, a lot of the times people weren't interested, but uh, just you you got so many more people in front of you, you know? Got it. Okay, so we touched on the results aspect of it a little bit, and it's wild that, you know, it's 2022 and, and we're still talking about this, but there are multiple schools of thoughts in fitness, sales, business, things like that about where the value is and in, in what you're actually selling. You are a results-focused trainer, and a lot of people say that, but um, we also get people now, they're like, hey, I'm just selling an experience. I'm selling a feeling, you know, dopamine high, whatever you have there. Um, and then, you know, you have people that are like, hey, what people get at my spot, they get community. They get, you know, different things that they get out of it. And you're just kind of old school sticking to the, we're here for results. And you've kind of observed all the trends and things that have 
come and gone. So has that just always been your MO? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not going for the flash or the, you know, the, the glitz and glam and just like, Hey, like, I'm going to be the best trainer. I'm going to get you the best results you you've ever had. Like, how's that gone for you? Um, so <clears throat> you got to think about what are people paying for, right? Um, a lot of the times it's accountability. It's an appointment. Um, and they want certain things to happen to their body. Um, and if you're an experienced trainer, you know kind of exactly how to handle those people. So my niche, for example, is probably weight loss. Um, a lot of time it's middle-aged women, right? Um, now you got to kind of figure out what makes them tick. You got to figure out you know, what their home life is like, stuff like that, because losing weight, it's like 80% nutrition, you know? Um, so it's so psychological. And, you know, just, I'm sure every trainer experiences, you gotta be a therapist, you gotta be you know, a friend, like you gotta be everything, jack of all the trades. Um, so as, as you get more and more experience, you figure out what works and what doesn't. For sure. For sure. So in your training, as it's evolved, um, you've kind of adopted some specific differences in the execution that still aren't terribly common. Um, you have, you have a, a semi-private private model that to anybody outside the industry wouldn't be able to understand, but I think it, it seems to be working pretty well for you. And you're a 30 minute session guy. And still we have so many people that are doing hour sessions and, you know, watching, you know, playing on their phone while someone's walking on a treadmill for 10 minutes and then doing a cool down and all that stuff. So give us the philosophy behind that stuff, how your semi-private private model works and works for you. And then, you know, why you do half hour sessions or half hour ish sessions, I think. Right. So um, I was just like those other trainers before too. I was like, you know, half hours not enough. Like, uh, you know, it's, you don't want to, you know, people are paying for something, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then if you really think about it, it's like, what do you do during a session, an hour session, right? Uh, there's way too much downtime. So when I tell people that a session's like a half hour, they're like, that's not enough. I was like, and then I explained to them, you know, kind of what we're talking about. Like, so your typical trainer, you know, you'll sit there and shoot the shit for 20 minutes. You know, um, they'll consider it part of the session when they're warming up. You know, everything like that, it all adds up. So I tell clients, you know, when you get here, you know, you're working for a half hour straight. There's no shooting this shit, nothing like that. Um, get in, get out. It's a win-win for both of us. You pay less, you're not here for an hour. Get in, get out. There's a lot of people who, who value their time as much or more than their money or will trade one for the other, especially in the realm of people who can afford personal training, right? It's a luxury for a lot of people. And those same people are busy, right? Everybody thinks they're busy, but usually the, you know, the people who are paying for personal training, 
it's it's a little bit different crowd sometimes. So if you can give them some of their time back and give them the same results or maybe better results than the trainer who might spend a half, you know, half an hour on their phone, like you say, it's it's a win-win. So you're showing benefit and not just, hey, I only want to spend a half an hour for you. It's like this is what you need. And as we'll long as you explain it clearly to them, they'll they'll understand. Yeah. I've never had one person be like, no, I have to do one. Right. Yeah. Someone's going to argue with you. Like I want to pay double the rate and I want an hour. Let's let me do that. Okay. So your execution, you basically give people one-on-one attention, but up to four at a time. So how did you figure out that you can do that? Because not every trainer can do it and work it into the model where again, people are happy to pay you what they need to for that. So at Marblehead Fitness, you know, the place that I rent in the morning, um, I saw the owner there has been doing it forever. And uh, he has tons and tons of clients. And, but I saw like, he still does hours, by the way. Uh, And I saw that he was doing like three people at once. And I was like, I was like, what's the deal with that? Didn't they pay for personal training? He's like, yeah, they don't don't mind. and at first, like the half hours, I was opposed to that because I thought it was kind of taking advantage of the client, you know? But as my time diminished, my time slots, I was kind of forced into it. And eventually what I found is that depending on their experience and stuff like that, you know, you need to gauge um, who you need to pay attention to more at specific moments, stuff like that. You have to be able to multitask. If you can't do that, then you can't do it. You know? um, and that's, and it, it's worked. I've never had, I haven't had a person since be like, listen, who are all these people, you know? Um, and if they did, then I would find some way to schedule that person where they would just be by themselves. You know, it's the value that you see. If you don't see value in it, you're not going to pay for it. But as long as you continue to show value, then you're fine. You'll retain the client. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who's saying I'm stealing here, but um, I think I think Warren Buffett uses it a lot. But he says, "Price is what you pay." value is what you get. And as long as you feel like one is, if the value tips the scale overpriced, you're happy. And if it's not, you're gone, right? That's people vote with their wallet. So on the subject of the the way that you run your training and business model, you you don't sell packages or, or, or sessions or anything like that. You use an EFT model recurring, just like somebody you know, has their, their monthly regular gym membership or the way every group class concept does it now. Um, you're, you're on recurring for almost all your clients. So that wasn't something you always did. And you came across that and it's, it's been a game changer for you. So tell us what you think, you know, how you, how you switched people, if there was any pushback and, and where you find the pros of that to be. Um, I never had to switch people because I'd been doing it for such a long time because mm. we're doing it over at the club. 
and I just brought that model to my channel. Okay. What was it? Sorry, what was the other question? So as far as you've seen people, you know that people are out there, they do session. There's still a ton of people selling sessions or packages or whatever it is. Um, you haven't gone that way. Is it just because that's the way you've always done it? Or do you see some holes in the session model that you don't want anything to do with? Right. So the package model is terrible because you never know when you're going to get paid. You got to know when you're going to get money. Uh, somebody buys a 10 pack, it could, uh, you know, that could last a year. And they're not going to get results. They're not going to re up. You got to get them in the habit. You got to get, you know, that's why, you know, I'll have people come to me and be like, can I train once a month? And I'm like, no, what, what is that going to do for you? This isn't a money grab. Um, I want you to change. I want you to get into a healthy lifestyle um, and everything like that, you know? Um, so I just refuse to do that. And the EFT model um, just makes the most sense. I agree. It's, it's my preferred model. And I think it probably would make most people's businesses and lives better by using it. You can't always... You know, we, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. But, you know, if you're out there listening, <laughs> think about it. So um, you run a unique business in a few different ways, but probably the, the biggest one that stands out to me is um, you had the opportunity. You train at, a, at a, a, a club that's close to home. And that's where, you know, you spend half your day or part of your day. And then the studio that you have had for the last year and a half or so, is out by um, the club where you worked for seven years. So you had established clientele. So uh, how did that opportunity come to be for you to rent that space? Obviously we know the big upside was you had established clientele out there, but how did you figure out this model where you're gonna, you're gonna split your day in two different places? Um, <clears throat> so I moved back to my hometown, Marblehead. Uh, just because I want to be close to water, I missed it. It's a beautiful town. Um, sure is. Yeah. Um, and I didn't originally plan on kind of training people here. Um, but slowly I had friends start coming to me, um, you know, referrals, stuff like that. And then eventually I, I built up a morning clientele. Um, and I never really had mornings, um, with my clients in the Bill Rick area. So mm -hmm. it just kind of worked out. It's all afternoon and nights. Got it. So you got, you have the two spots and you start to, you know, you bring some of the clientele there. You've got you've got them at the at um at your spot in Bill Ricca, but you're training in Marblehead, and you know one of the things we talked about off the air is you've got some other trainers that work with you there, and the automatic inclination, even for me, and you brought it up before I could ask, is more trainers you could service more people, more revenue, more profit, all that's good, but you have you brought it on, and I'm sure some of those benefits are conferred to you, but because you don't want to turn people away. And you don't want to give up the clientele where you are, you know, with the Marblehead location. So 
basically went out and, and found some trainers that would take the morning clients that you couldn't service right now. And are, are so now your owner, manager, and trainer wearing all those hats. So with, so the, the first question, the thing that's going to be on everybody's mind, because everybody asks is, how did you find your trainers? Because everybody says it's so hard to find trainers. There's a million different opinions here, but what worked for you? Well, the first guy I hired, um, he worked at the club with me. Um, so knew who he was. Uh, he'd been doing it a very long time. Um, and I knew that. It, you know, because of his experience, um, he'd be, you know, better than just some guy I found off like ZipRecruiter, you know? Um, yeah, so that's how I found him. Uh, the next guy, ideally who I wanted and who I want to hire are like college kids, somebody I can mold. The no first, yeah, the first guy I hired, he's older than me. Uh, he's set in his ways, you know. So I just kind of let him do his own thing. I give him people, I get a percentage. With this new guy I hired, he's younger, less experienced. Uh, you know, he's somebody that I can mold, which I'm happy about. Um, and he... He's excited for anything that I give him, you know, uh, which is great. Um, you know, so it's a huge asset to have somebody that's, you know, that excited to get a starting training. Got it. Okay. So there's, you know, there's you working out of that space. There's the other two guys. It's not a big space, right? 800 square feet or so. So, are you, are you basically at or near your capacity there? Does that studio still have room to grow? What's the, the prospect there? Um, yeah, I mean, those two trainers by no means are full. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they could definitely fill up their morning and the mid-afternoon can be filled up as well. Okay. So if there's capacity there, uh, and this is, this is where it diverges a lot. So do you do any marketing sales to try to fill those guys up? Are they mostly hunting on their own? What's your, your yeah. role in, as so far as that goes? I, people that contact me, I, my name's on multiple lead sites. Uh, and those people contact me if they want a time that I can't do, then I give it to them. Um, and like I said, in return, I get a percentage. Um, I, for the first time, I use a marketing company. Mm -hmm. um, and I have many opinions about marketing companies. Um, not all good. Um, Majority not. It's... <laughs> From the data that I, I get, really get into it, um, for the first month, it worked fantastic. So their business model, I pay for, you know, they mainly go through Facebook. Um, I pay for the ad spend, you know, I was paying $1,500 a month. Um, 
And for every person that they got to walk through the door, I paid 150 bucks. That adds up if you're not selling them. Um, and their interest is not necessarily your interest. So when they do the ads, it's incredibly non-transparent. People come in, they don't know what they're getting. Mm -hmm. uh, but they did their job getting people through the door, right? Um, so for the first month, it worked fantastic. Filled up my schedule super quick. But from then, I, I, the area was just probably saturated. And it was there was like a 20% show, show rate. So I'm sitting there waiting for these people, just wasting my time. Um, and I've talked to many different marketing companies, and a lot of them have the same business. Uh, yeah, pay, pay, for, pay for performance model is very broken. Um, and you don't know where you're getting all the time. Um, you know, I use another advertising company that was dirt cheap. Uh, but I was, I literally threw away my, I didn't get one person. I was throwing away money. And uh, when I wanted to uh, stop working with them, uh, they're like, you paid up to blah, blah, blah. You can't get out of whatever. I was like, you, you gotta be shitting me. They're like, so how about we make like a little intro video for you? It was just ridiculous. Needless to say, not you're not a fan of what you've seen so far from agencies. So I know you have, you know, you have the website, um, you know, I'm sure people will find you through Google, through other source, like you said, you're on some lead sites. So uh, in, in your general model, you find the people, you send them off to one of your trainers, you take a percentage, right? That's, that's one model. It's probably the model I generally tend to lean towards. The other one that we see a lot um, in studios or even in big gyms is, is more of like a barbershop or a salon model where you as the owner just get rent, right? Trainer pays you 500 bucks a month. Whatever happens, happens. They're on their own. You don't run that model. Is it something you've ever looked at or thought of or in no. general, you have any opinions on that? No. So if you're a gym owner and you want to make money, that's not the way to go. You know, if you're, uh, if you're investing time and in, if you're doing marketing, you're going to make a lot more money with the other model percentage, stuff like that, than you will with rent. And it, um, those people don't work for you. So they don't care about your space. You know, it's, um, oh, boy, I, I, I would never do that. I, I agree with you on all of those things. And I can, I can say it's all blue in the face and it's great to have another gym owner to hear somebody else say it. And hopefully it'll, it'll hit home. I think the big thing that gets people into that model is we have, you have a lot of former trainers that say I was a trainer at a club and I gave them a split and it felt like I was, you know, I'm busting my ass for them and I'm not getting enough. And so I want to do something. I want to give back. I want to, make it better for the other trainers, but it's like, well, unless they can sell and market and figure this out all on their own, most people who have that model have a bunch of starving trainers. But the, so they might be making a grand a month or two grand a month in training, 
I'm paying 500. So it's like, idealistically, it's a nice thought, but the reason why the gyms that stay in business a long time use that model is because it's the one that keeps the wheels turning. So like you say, if you're a business owner, you want to stay in business and make money, that way usually works a lot better. And I think if we want to make it a little bit selfish on the business owner side, you know it, you've been it, I've seen it a million times. If you have a trainer that can sell and can do a little bit of generating their own clientele, eventually they're going to leave anyway. You know, the, if a trainer- I, mean, just, I expect it. Like, you know, when I first talked to you, I'm like, listen, I've been where you are. I know what it's all about. So <laughs> kind of a funny story. Um, I didn't exactly leave Tuxbury Sports Club on a happy note, you know, because uh, I was like, you know, the head trainer there. I've been there since the beginning. I have, I essentially like started the program, um, you know, me and like two other people. And um, when I said I was leaving um, and starting a, a club like right down the street, you know, me and the owner were like kind of friends, same with the manager. They won't talk to me, anymore, you know, but that's business. It's business. Um, and you're going to take your people, you know, it's not, it's a ethical fine line, you know? Yeah. I think it's, if, if anybody has been in this business long enough and doesn't know that some trainers will outgrow you and go and do their thing. And realistically as a trainer, Especially in personal training, you're well, if fine. you want to make money, you have to. Right. If you want to and make money, you got to leave. You got to start your own thing. Right. And while you're in their building, the clients are their clients technically, but but nobody says nobody that has a trainer says. Someone says, "Oh, you know, you look great. What do you do? I have a trainer." Nobody says, "I go to Tuxbury Sports Club." They say, "Oh, I go to Matt." Right. Like you're there, your client. And if the opportunity is good enough, you stay. And eventually, if you see a better opportunity, you go. Like, I think gym owners spend a lot of time and energy getting butthurt when that stuff happens. And it's like, listen, there's only so much. Some trainers are going to outgrow you. If everybody leaves, you probably suck. If everybody stays, then you have some unmotivated people. There's got to be a balance. Well, yeah. I mean, there, you have to know your worth. If you know you're good at what you do, then you deserve to make more money. Um, there were, so I, I asked for more money many times, you know, or a bigger percentage. And uh, they would always sit me down with, uh, you know, like consultant we were talking about before. Um, and he would sit there and bullshit me. He'd be like, how about we just change your title to master trainer? Um, and he's like, who wouldn't want to work with the master trainer? And I'm like, in my head, I didn't say it, but in my head, I was like, do you think I'm stupid? Like, he was talking to me like I'm stupid. Um, so, you know, that's what they'll try and do. Um, obviously not all owners, but just mainly like the big gyms, you know, you're just another, you're another person. Like, you're replaceable, you know? Unfortunately, accurate. So... You got a lot of time in the game. You've got clientele in two spots. You get some trainers working for you. 
seems like a lot of things are are rolling right you you move back home to marblehead beautiful area so you've got some quality of life things going on there that that i'm a little bit jealous of but charleston's pretty nice um but marblehead probably one of the the, the prettiest parts of mass but a lot of things going well do you have any big challenges right now any bottlenecks in the business or is it just you know continuing to keep the train going um It might be weird to say, but I miss the social aspect of a big club. You know, I'm sitting here in my boutique, just me and my people, you know. Um, it's just part of it, though, you know. That's the only real big thing. Um, another is um, just getting people in front of you. You know, that's why I originally hired the marketing company, um, because a lot of small gym owners they'll, they'll say the same thing it's uh just getting that traffic you know it's hard and getting getting the quality and quantity right is hard. Yeah. uh yeah have and it the rules are always changing of the game too so it's once you learn it staying on top of it so yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely you're not alone there it's something we hear a lot okay guess, uh, yep sorry oh go ahead no you go yeah, another thing is, uh, this is the same with any business that you want to grow and scale. I need to learn how to implement, um, how to uh, do things like um, automation. Mm -hmm. Automation. Um, because time's money, uh, you know, doing things that's busy work, you know, figuring out, um, you know, emails and, um, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. All the, automating all, everything all the time sucks. Automating everything that you can. The, the time vampires, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Got it. All right. I want to wrap up with something a little bit philosophical here. One of my favorite questions to ask, especially for people the long time in the game, Never ask anybody to change anything, but if you could go back and tell yourself anything, give yourself any piece of advice, words of wisdom that you that you would have liked to have sooner, is there anything that stands out? Words of advice to- To yourself. As like starting out training? In the beginning, the middle, a year ago, anything where you're like, shit, if I knew this anytime sooner, I'd be happier or I would have been well, further along or anything like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I wish I figured out my passion sooner. It took me eight years to graduate college. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a big one right there. Yeah. Right. Knock yourself on the head at high school graduation. Go train people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Get in the fitness. I would have saved a lot of money and a lot of time. And who knows where I would have been today if I had a, six-year head start you know got a lot of good years ahead of you i i think so at least that's you're not not on the wrong side of things it's one of my favorite answers mainly because it's always the people who stay in it for a long time and who to the degree that i can discern from from the time we spend together are successful and fulfilled in what they're doing that just almost always say i just wish i would have started sooner 
right? Whatever form that takes. I just wish I was doing this longer. There are a lot of other careers where people are like, man, I wish I was doing this less time. I wish I would have found something else. I wish, you know, there aren't a lot of people. What's that? Typical nine to five in a cubicle. Yeah. I I don't know how people do that. Right. Most of us in this world would be bashing our head into the cubicle. Yeah, exactly. For sure. All right, sir. We're officially out of time. Easy question before we let you go. Where do people listen and find you? Website, social media, anything that you want to get out there? Um, yeah, so my website is optimalfitness.fit. Um, my Facebook page um, is Optimal Fitness 2. And Instagram, I don't post that much anymore, uh, but Optimal underscore Fitness 2. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being on. Thank you for your time today. Been a pleasure having you and I wish you continued success. Yes, thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. And everyone out there listening, I'll never I'll try not to ever forget about you. <laughs> we appreciate you being here, spending some time with us. Hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Chris Wark of Energize Health and Fitness coming to you from Edinburgh, Scotland. Chris, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Very well, thanks. Um, just look forward to telling you all about our uh, business and how things have transformed over the years. Certainly. Yeah, no, we are we are excited. And, and I anticipate a lot of similarities between UK-based businesses and US-based businesses, but it'll be interesting as a sort of compare and contrast exercise. For you, Chris, take us back to when this whole idea was formulating in your brain when did you actually get energized off the ground and and what was the goal for you at the outset of this well we we opened our business in 2012 april 2012 i'd been looking at the premises uh, i found in 2011 as a vacant site uh, in edinburgh in scotland's biggest prem was premier business park so i knew it was a, an affluent business colony there um, with many thousand uh, staff members to entice into potential membership. So it had been a premises for uh, 10 years and uh, had been closed for five years prior to me taking it over and uh, opening in 2012. Okay, so 2012 is when we officially got launched. 
I understand that things have evolved a little bit over time. Talk to us about how the business was in 2012 and, and some sort of benchmarks along the way to get us to where we are now. Sure. So 2012, we opened as a franchise model. Uh, it seemed the best solution for me, having been a previous business owner, but not experienced in the health and fitness large-scale operation, which this was. It's a large facility, 25,000 square feet, which... Uh, yep. Uh, quite large (laughs) yeah so i thought good good model they had more buying power than me and equipment they had uh, you know tried and tested uh, operational systems and uh, yeah you know a model that made me allow uh, myself to have direct debit collections from our customers so it made sense to work with a franchise model which is where what took me to 2014 uh-huh. Um, by 2014, it was a little bit uh, problematic with uh, having the franchise costs and having a lot of different other costs in our business part in terms of uh, service charges, uh, utility costs, all the normal things you have in running a business. So a lot of renegotiation took place at that stage. Sure. And we were looking at other ways to structure uh, the business. We, I personally was engaged in uh, a lot of the community community work, uh, helping less abled and uh, different age groups, uh, which other clubs haven't been. So my aim was to help more in that way. And we looked at turning the entity into a charity uh, to help more of the, the, the public. This uh, happened and uh, the transition took a couple of years to deal with. Uh, and in 2015, latter end, we turned into the charity and removed ourselves from the franchise position. So no longer being a full commercial entity. Got it. Um, yeah. And, and so in the US, it's referred to as nonprofit charity yes. on the UK side of things. But what do you think the biggest difference is in terms of running an overall business as a for-profit business versus the charity organization with which you are now? As a commercial entity, you have, you are in the UK, like the US, I'm sure taxes are you know, quite tight on business. Um, not just that, there's all sorts of other ongoing costs uh, that uh, you know, at their highest, if you're a business owner, there's very little relief and help for business owners uh, from governments, etc. So, um, by being a charity, there are ways of helping to get support on these side of things um, and reducing some of those overheads. At the same time, there's access to funding to help you expand the opportunities for communities, which uh, we've uh, latched on to to develop uh, a lot more uh, community offerings than we were capable of doing before. So that's where we've run. Sorry. No, go ahead. So from 2015 to where we are just now, we've been that charity status, uh, offering more and more to the community, um, from free elderly classes to uh, teenage uh, free sessions. They can access our facility in the gym uh, between three and six weekdays uh, to get them engaged after school, to get them uh, feeling better about themselves post-COVID, to network with other people and learn more about their own health and fitness and develop and meet their own goals. So uh, trying to educate the young, we engage the uh, very young in terms of toddlers and provide uh, young gymnasts movement, mini movement uh, sessions. Um, we have all sorts of ages and abilities in our swimming pool with a number of lessons. 
we still as a answer more back to your question uh, the commercial entity to uh, the non-commercial uh, the not-for-profit everything that we could could potentially make as a profit does go back in to the entity. Sure, yeah, there's so, still a responsibility to make money, right? it's just where that money goes, correct? Absolutely, and, and there is still memberships in a club like there would be in any other club. Um, we have to obviously benchmark ourselves against uh, other local community offerings and make sure that we're providing a service that's of value uh, and uh, for, for the community, which we over-excel in. Um, we have a unique offering for the first six weeks that people come to the facility and we it's like a guaranteed results process with the personal trainers to ensure that they're on the right pathway they feel motivated and they stay longer because the first six ah. weeks of a new exercise or, or someone returning to exercise is the most important to see the biggest changes and feel good about themselves and when they get that bug of motivation then they stay and that's what we want people to do as a club whether it's commercial or non you know non-profit you want them to stay longer it's hard oh, of course harder to get a new member than it is to keep a member so service is the number one for us how does how do your membership numbers now compare to 2019 or 2020 previous to lockdowns and restrictions with covid i have to be honest on that because the business park uh, that we're in the center of which is a huge staffing community uh, has only allowed partial return and their employees are flexible uh, working a lot of flexible working and those that are back are only back three days a week as opposed to the five and they can work from home with the others so you find tuesday wednesday thursday they're in and then the long weekend for four days in a row they're not there and it's only about 20 percent of the staffing that's back in total the rest mm. are at home. So this sure. is the this is where we've had to try and change our model and continue to be more community focused rather than the business park start, uh, membership side of things. We lost approximately forty percent of our gym membership. Ah, uh, yeah. Through COVID. Uh, yeah. And you're not alone, right? This is a this is a global thing at this point. But doing what you can do to make sure that the organization is still able to run, right? You recognize this as a not-for-profit charity at this point, but as we already touched on, there's still a responsibility to make money. People's employment, people need to get paid. There's operations, there's costs of running this. We need to make sure that we're above those costs in terms of running the, the operation in its entirety. Membership has taken a hit, 40%. Do you anticipate that building back in the next six months, year, longer than that? What do you think the, the timeline is here? It, it's all 100% dependent on uh, the demographics return, the people returning ah, sure. to the business yeah. part for us. However, you know, we, we will trickle growth with the local community uh, and other things that we can provide for them. But in, in, in reality we need people to return because that's our direct landscape of uh, customer base right right around us uh, and and if we were uh, anywhere else you'd have people walking by uh, if we were in the city center but we're in a huge business park that's almost empty and people have to come to the facility rather than pass it and see it yeah. that's, uh, so well, that's chris let me let me pick your brain on kind of the marketing end of this. Yeah. You, it's, it is a, a not-for-profit, but we still need to spread the word. And you guys have been here for 
10 years, but I'm sure that there are still people that aren't even aware that the business or the organization exists. What does marketing look like for you guys? How are we spreading the word? Well, we uh, have a number of different ways we market. Um, social media is a, a big presence there. It's very important to us. Um, website's an important site for us as well. Um, and making sure our messaging is hitting the right types of people. So targeting the audience that way is very, very important. Well, in the local community, as I said, I, I am a... a, a engaged in a lot of the local community voluntary organization sector, whether it be exercise focused organizations or clubs uh, and uh, neighborhood networks and things like that. They have engagement, they get to see what's going on. There's a lot of different community uh, Zoom calls, uh -huh. uh, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm engaged with the local authorities, local councils and the police. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that help us build uh, on, on things for the community uh, for the, the marketing side of things. We create a, a, a newsletter for the community as well, which shows everybody all the free services available in this part of Edinburgh, and that goes out uh, monthly. We also, I deliver between ten and 15,000 flyers monthly to oh, wow. housing areas directly around us to try and get that population. That's, that's quite reactive. It's a you know, huge volume out and you get a trickle back but that trickle after two or three times of people looking at things makes a massive impact uh, over time so it's a continued process we do there we yep. text message uh, our prospective members uh, on a weekly basis obviously not over uh, making it uh, discourage them uh, so we send different messages of different offers that we have and um, we boost various posts uh, on a daily basis in-house as well as have a marketing company that help create our flyers, uh, posters, etc. Engage in the local hotels uh, that are in our business park and beyond mm. to provide, obviously we have a, the largest facility on their doorstep. Uh, it's an encouragement for the hotels to utilize that for the people, the guests that are coming in. Uh, sure. They can have a discounted rate and come in and use the swimming pool gym, etc. How How prevalent is social media in the UK business dynamic? Is this is this a, a major piece of, at least for the fitness industry, is that something you guys utilize? Uh, yes, it's, it, it's very important to us and uh, getting as much of an audience that way as possible uh, so that people can see what's going on, what could excite them about coming in and getting fit, get, uh, you know, what other uh, things do we offer? So our presence uh, is... Uh, is, is always improvable, but uh, it's reasonably dominant in the, in the UK for us. Okay. Is that something that you guys put some sort of advertising budget into, or is most of your money going to the marketing agency with the flyers and the posters and such? Well, we used to do things bit by bit and now have an organization uh, after benchmarking with a number of hours and having trial by error who does uh, our web website. The company does uh, a lot of our back-end uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram marketing where it will reach people that have shown an interest with, on our website and various things. So uh, they're all linked together. Uh, they boost out through Google Ads and very other, other mechanisms uh, and, and, and make sure that we're trying to target the right audience and the right demographics of the types of people that would most likely need and use our services. Yeah, absolutely. 
I one question that I ask a lot of gym owners that work with an agency is if you've considered at any point bringing that in-house as well. Is that something that has crossed your mind at all? Uh, bringing what service in again, sorry. So it sounds like you work with some sort of marketing agency to do a lot of the flyering, to do a lot of the posters and the website and the social media. Is that something that you guys have explored bringing in-house to save on some of those costs? Um, yes, I used to do all the marketing uh, myself, create the posters, uh, use different packages online, and yeah, quite artistic that way. Um, so uh, it, it was working fine, but it does take an awful lot of my time and trying to manage everything that you're running in the club uh, effectively means that you, you need to be resourceful and uh, you know efficient with costs as much as possible. Um, as I say, we benchmark everybody and have tried uh, pragmatically over the years to ensure that we're getting the right level of service and costs and we use this company to do the websites, to do the social media back end side of things, to create the poster imagery, uh, any little uh, uh, car Cards, tickets, stickers, yeah, sure. any of the media, they'll, they'll do all the artwork. I just organize the printing because it would cost more if they did the whole front end. Yeah, of course. I, I, we, we and then just order the print. Okay. So some of it's in-house, but we, we outsource most of it. Now, Chris, take us to the next step because marketing and, and generating leads is only one piece of the puzzle. When someone reaches out with interest in joining and signing up for a membership, who are they meeting with? What is that process typically like? You told us a little bit about a front-end six-week aspect of this. Tell us a little bit about the, the sales process here. Yeah, the sales process from uh, initiation from a prospect that we may have found through our own marketing or from uh, networking ourselves, whatever method that uh, person has come in as a prospect would be invited to have a club tour. Uh, on that club tour, they would meet a sales representative uh, at, the, at the club where they would be invited to uh, be shown around uh, after understanding their needs and goals and finding a little bit more about them. So we can capture, uh, you know, what their needs are, how whether they've used the fitness facilities before, so that we know how our tour is then going to uh, be completed. So we'll take them through the whole club, whether they want to see one part or another, and for, uh, some people want to see, oh, just the free weights or just the swimming pool. But by yeah. showing them everything, it can open their eyes to other things that might be suitable for the, the, one of their family, or they might yeah. actually decide, oh, you've got a lot bigger swimming pool. I thought I might use that now. So we make sure that we show everybody everything and highlight the fact that we're unique in that the first six weeks if you're a new exerciser or returning to exercise, uh, we help develop your goals and ensure you meet those goals over the first six weeks so that you can remain motivated, uh, understand how to uh, use things safely uh, and re you know, enjoy what you're doing uh, so that you can keep coming and see those gains and goals you, you, you may have uh, had initially. Got it. Okay, so we have... A dedicated staff, at least one or two or more people in charge of the actual sales process and giving tours and signing up for memberships. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the, the six-week portion of this. Is this a higher cost for the six weeks and then they drop down? Is this some sort of package bundle? How does that actually take place? 
Okay, so the, the, what we call is an energizer program. We sit down and understand their needs and goals, uh, and then we invite them to a first session. So over six weeks, they'll have four personal training sessions. The first one's uh, where we uh, meet them and understand those goals, take measurements, um, things like your, your body fat levels, your weight, your height, your hip measurements, arms, etc., And we'll ask them a number of questions about how they sleep, uh, how they feel about exercise, and a number of personal things on a goal as a setting level that we, we can see a picture of where they are right now. We'll then understand their exercise history from a few other questions and queries and create a program that we can work with them with for the next 30, 40 minutes. So we'll show them and work out the speeds and weights like our personal trainer would with everything and uh, get them understanding how that routine would work for them. So after that session, we've got another session, the next one's called Nutrition, uh, where we book them in after they've filled in four separate days of what they've eaten and what they drank on a little uh, uh, booklet we give them to take away on the first session. So they'll come back on that Nutrition session and we'll give them a guidance on what they're doing, how to make improvements, how to ensure they're meeting their goals faster by making subtle little changes. It's not like a, uh, we're going to change their whole nutrition plan. Oops, sorry about that. No problem. Um, you may need to do, buzz that. Can I? Is that <laughs> sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. We'll, we'll pick up that again. Sorry about that. Not a problem. Start that one again. And, and so you were mentioning the the four PT sessions. We have a consultation. We're getting baseline information. We're walking them through how they can take their own training into their own control. We're talking nutrition. Do you find that this this six weeks getting them started on the right foot and focusing on personal training? Does it help to carry over with people continuing into personal training beyond that six weeks? Absolutely. This uh, service that we provide is part of a, uh, an inclusion in their membership when they join. So it actually costs us to deliver. So it's very important for us to ensure that we get the value of it back by the customer staying and being retained. So uh, by ensuring that they're coming in two or three times a week as a minimum following the program that we give we're almost giving them guaranteed results to those goals um, and it also encourages them to keep motivated because if they're coming in three times or more a week they'll keep coming for exercises because they'll feel a difference see a difference and uh, you know feel better for themselves if they drop to under that level they would be called by us um, just to get them to see if everything's all right you need someone to help you but more importantly if they did drop below that and didn't show up for an appointment, we would remind them that they may have to pay for the next appointment and you know, try and encourage them to, to get back in, et cetera. Th those that do the three sessions a week always meet their goals. And we put a plaque up on the wall to uh, say how well they've done, what have they achieved over this period. And it's very motivational for others to see. So that's part of the sales process. You see this on our way around, all these people that have got wonderful six-week results. Uh, and it does keep people there for longer. If they stop in the middle of it and give up, then they, they do leave us. Um, so it's a very important feature yeah. for us. To sure. And, and so did you mention that the, 
that's included in the cost of membership or are people paying for that six-week program specifically? It's included in our membership when they join up. Ah, okay. And so, like you said, this is this costs you to deliver on the front end, but the assumption is that we can make up that revenue Absolutely. on the back end with them continuing. Okay. And, and so our whole conversation so far, Chris, has been geared around generating leads and, and acquiring customers as the business stands now. What do you see as the longer term goal with the business? Do you think, what's, what's sort of the big picture with this whole thing? If we were not the charitable organization, it would be trying to expand the whole model and maybe franchise the model, but we're not in a commercial entity situation. So what we want to do is continue to uh, provide more to the community, which means expansion into that community in other ways, which uh, primarily would be in our outdoor offering with that calisthenics-based gymnastic-type outdoor, very healthy uh, exercise facility. So we were, we our plans are to generate uh, uh, funding to allow that to be a provision in most of the parks throughout Scotland. Uh, our visions to encourage a lot more exercise outdoors and there's no provisions like this throughout Scotland. Although there are in many other countries where we want to be able to provide this as a free facility to access to the community uh, parks and uh, educate them, have classes in these places and uh, you get, get a lot more activity and get people healthier. Yep. Okay. And, and I think that is natural, right? You use, you already said, if we were still in the for-profit realm, the strategy and the goal is a little bit different than what we are and how we execute on where we're trying to go. But at the end of the day, the goal is to help as many people as we can in as a meaningful of a way as we can. So I think it's, it's tremendously exciting. Chris, I think that's a pretty good place for us to begin to wrap our interview up. Um, but before we do sign out of here, why don't you tell people where they can learn a little bit more about this? What's the best website for people to go to? Our website is www.energize with a Z and it's E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E-G-Y-M.co.uk. Perfect. Chris, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your willingness to share a little bit of the insight into how Energize functions as a business entity. I'm excited to see what the future of this holds because it sounds like you guys still have a number of goals you want to accomplish and, and still some, some untapped potential at least. So we'll have to check in with you again down the road and see where this whole thing leads. For now, that's all for today. I thank you for your time. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. 
the goal is simple. Cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today are two guests all the way from the UK, Liam and Ali with Forest Boxing. Ooh. What is going on, gentlemen? Happy Wednesday. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, happy Wednesday to you too. Amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah, so we are a gym down here in England, um, Brighton. So it's not far from London, down south on the, on the coast. Um, Yes, yeah, so I started my business, uh, funny enough, in the lockdown when no one had anything to do. Um, but you could train with a personal trainer in the park. Um, that's how I started the business. Um, and then I managed to save up all throughout the lockdown. And then I managed to get a place uh, in Brighton. Um, I work with a charity. Um, and yeah, it's going really well. It's, it's, the business is taken off the ground. I train boxing. Um, yeah, I teach most. I teach mostly people to box or get fit, uh, get more lean, lose weight, <clears throat> gain confidence, all that kind of stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff here. Awesome stuff, guys. And so you know, um, we'll dive right into the business here. So uh, we'll start with the basics. You know, how many members are you guys currently serving? Um, it, it varies because, um, while well, I was saying classes, we, we could have about 15 to 20 people. Sometimes it may die down, um, to about eight or something like that. Um, it just depends really. <clears throat> everyone wants to train at the same time and everyone wants to have a day off at the same time, but it's a business that just sort of peaks and troughs like, but yeah, mostly <clears throat> never fail to get sort of 10 people in a class really. Um, but we are still very new, so I'm looking to try and build that to get more and more people. Um, and then hopefully uh, we do so well that I could get a bigger venue in the future and fit more people inside. But I like doing outdoor work as well. People like the yeah. fresh air due to obviously COVID as well. So I try and like keep people equally spaced spaced out. Yeah, totally, totally. And so, you know, for you guys, um, with where you guys are at now, what have you guys seen to be the best methods to finding new clients, getting new people through the door? So mostly it's word of mouth. Um, I'm quite an easy guy to sort of talk to. I, I, approach, to, I approach a lot of people um, around town. I'll, I give out leaflets, uh, cards. Um, the most powerful thing I use is obviously social media. So I have an Instagram page, that's Forest Boxing. So um, everyone go follow that up and you can see what I get up to on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I hit people up in DMs. Facebook is a big one because you can join market selling pages there where there's like, you know, 80,000 members and then you can click on that. And then there's other pages where they have, you know, 10,000 members, 2,000 members, 30,000 members. And you can post some ads on there some people that are interested they you know they'll contact me direct 
directly. Um, you can pay for ads on Instagram. But yeah, I try and keep the cost low as much as possible. But mainly um, word of mouth, really. People come down and I say, you know, try and bring a friend, give you a little discount if you bring a friend along. And yeah, that's it. Totally, totally. Yeah, I love the mindset there. And I think that's a great approach. I think uh, word of mouth has always been a prominent method to get people. And I think it will continue to be for years to come, no matter how strong uh, social media or technology gets, right? So, um, and it's also a a direct correlation and a thanks to your fulfillment, right? You're good at what you do and people will talk about it. So that's awesome stuff there, Liam. And, and, And so hypothetically speaking here, right? Let's say that you had unlimited leads, unlimited clients, unlimited traffic. I mean, how much higher can you go? What's that max number of clients that you can even handle? Um, to be honest, if I if I had a, a huge class with uh, you know, let's say a hundred members or whatever, um, I could I could easily deal with that, you know, because you can put people in partners and groups as long as everyone can hear me. If I had a big speaker and maybe a mic, then yeah, cool, we could go on a football field and I could get everyone to have a very successful <laughs> session as long as you can yeah. hear me. Other than that, everyone's quite, you know, in the sessions, some people are beginner, some people are high level, but even those high level people, they help the beginners. Um, so, and it's just a friendly environment that I want to build anyway. So everyone's like gets excited to come to the next session. So it's like, oh, my mate's going to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. I could train any, any amount of people. I love that. I love that. And so, um, you know, with, you know, the amount of clients you have, right, and how long you're in the business now, you know, uh, I think one of the most important factors, right? I mean, us as fitness professionals, right? We track everything, right? We track our body fat, we track our macros, right? We track how much weight is on the bar, but how do you go about tracking your metrics for your clients, right? How long they've been with you? You know, if they're canceling, how do you track those numbers? So you're asking, how do I track if they've lost weight or anything like that? Or, or, or no, I'm sorry. How do you track how many members you have in the facility? You know, like cancellations, oh. things like that, like on the back end. Okay, so I have like a booking system on my website. So people can uh, go onto my website, that's forestboxing.com. And what you can do there is you can look at the classes, you can look at the availability, availability, and you just book there. And then on my booking system, I have like a calendar of say, you know, five people, 10 people, 30 people have uh, booked in for the session on a Tuesday evening or Thursday evening. So online um, website uh, does help a lot um, to keep track. I love it. Leave name, number, email address, and yeah, that's yeah. very helpful. I mean, look, the fact that you even do it at all, right, is the biggest thing. So I think a lot of a lot of us fitness professionals undermine that, right? Because like I mentioned before, we track everything else, but then when it comes to our numbers, it's like, oh, I'm not even so sure how many members I have. So it's yeah. good that the fact that you even do that. So that's awesome stuff there. And so here's going to be a little bit of a longer-winded question here, Leon, but a, a good question in itself. Um, and a good way to kind of self-reflect, right? So uh, what we've been discussing this entire time on this podcast have been pillars of business, right? And uh, there's five, but we predominantly use three in the fitness and gym space, right? So that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, your client acquisition, which is your sales, and then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in the process. So of those three, Liam, where do you feel like you could improve the most? Um. I could definitely improve on maybe keeping the clients 
Um, I, I wouldn't say I really have a problem with any of those three at the moment, at the moment, but it's mainly like competition with, say, other gyms in the areas and people may drift off because they found another client. So what I'm trying to do is show the people how that they can only get these benefits or it's this, this, this fun and um, they've met great people here at the gym and I even coach in a certain way that people don't feel intimidated. Like I can train people and we can have a laugh at the same time. So that's why I'm trying to show that I'm very different to other gyms. So yeah, they do, so they don't drift off, but I wouldn't say we really have a problem with that at the moment, but some people they do, you know, yeah. they, they want to have a strength uh, PT coach and, you know, it probably gets expensive going to two gyms. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's probably just other benefits that they want. They may want to get gains or whatever. And to be honest, I teach people to get more ripped, lean, not necessarily bodybuilder or anything like that. Exactly. Okay. And cool. And so last two questions for you here, Liam. Uh, my two favorite questions, though. You know, um, number one is, what's the, what's the bigger picture for you long-term? What are you trying to accomplish long-term? To accomplish long-term, um, I just want to make a massive impact on the community. That's mainly one thing. I want to be the guy that helps the most people. I want to be, I want, I want to be the most successful gym that's, you know, helped the most people and it's completely changed their lives around. Also, um, is to make this logo, Forest Boxing, hopefully global. So we could do like online training programs or and stuff like that. We can get other coaches from maybe other different countries. Maybe, well, start off with over the country, then, you know, go European, then global, you know, forest boxing could be worldwide. So that, that's the ultimate goal. Not, not necessarily have a huge gym, but we could have gyms dotted all over, over the world and be global. Take over the world. That's it. That's it. The forest right. name will be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. And one last question for you, man. Uh, Liam, if, uh, I know you've been open since 2021, so it's not super long, but you know, if you could go back in time, Liam, to when you first started your gym and sit yourself down and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really, really needed to hear, uh, what would that advice be for you? The advice? Uh, that's a tricky question. That's quite hard. Um, I just kind of wish I started maybe younger. I felt like I wasted a little bit of time. I didn't know what to do with my life like when I left school. So you go into college and you're just kind of just winging it, like, you know, people drift off and do the topics that they want to do. And I didn't really know apart from I wanted to box myself. But I, I just wanted to be like a world champion, um, which I'm working on that still. But um, you got to think what's realistic, but how are you going to fund that professional boxing career? So hopefully, you know, I wish I started a PT business, yeah, when I when Maybe I was 18 or when I left school, just, yeah, start from a younger age, really. So I could maybe have another gym by now. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm working. So I love that. Me. I love that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, uh, I think yeah, everything happens at a perfect time, right? There's not such a thing as a perfect moment, but I think everything happens when it's supposed to. So maybe if you started earlier, maybe you wouldn't have been ready. You know, who knows? But um, I love that. It's still a mic drop of an answer, man. Way to close it out there. Uh, and look, Liam, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. 
Uh, before we sign out, though, you know, please shout out your Facebook, Instagram, website, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? Of course. So everyone here that's listening on the podcast, um, I want you guys to follow Forest Boxing on Instagram. So that's F O R R E S T Boxing. Um, that's just all joined together. Same on TikTok. Um, what else? What other pages do we have? Oh, we also have Ollie Stone. He's a he's one of my clients. Well, started off as a client. Now he's a good pal of mine. But I've changed his life. Uh, completely he had a very tough sort of background growing up getting involved with the wrong people and now he's one of the very successful boxers I have come out of the gym and had the most um let's say winnings and gone on to do big things fighting on shows winning and yeah his life is completely different to how he, he used to be so if we could shout out Ollie Stone um, yeah. my name's Liam Forrest <laughs> so you can give me an ad on Facebook if you want Liam Forrest and yeah that's it that's it awesome stuff gentlemen look we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast i look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road and to everyone who tuned in today we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to move in about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button and if you want to come in and join us talk about your fitness business click the link in the description fill it out and our team will be in touch with you very very soon and as always till next time jim lords out Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.